1: I think when we first came, you know, I, I remember I was 11 years old the first time it was at in in Las Vegas and uh, you know we left Oklahoma City and everybody thought it was so successful there and it had been and uh, the fact that they were moving it when it had been so successful there everybody was like oh we'll be back in five years I can't you know I can't tell you how many times I heard that oh don't worry we'll be back in five years it's a five year deal and we'll be back and we we moved to Las Vegas it just became such an experience it took on a whole life of its own it went from being just you know the year in national finals to this whole growing phenomenon that just kept growing the money got better the event got larger television became bigger the tourists that came from all around to come to this event you know they traveled farther they came from other countries it just it just grew within it took on a life of its own within the city you know I mean they they used to talk about how December was like the worst month in Las Vegas at one time and now that it's you know become one of the best months mainly because of the national finals rodeo well that's a huge thing to say about such a large city that hosts so many different events and such a small you know i've been to the day rodeo such a small demographic of our whole country that that in its own would take on a life of its own in a city of such large magnitude and and it does that whole city just is when you're in Las Vegas during the NFR, whether it's the Music Awards or whatever else is going on, you know there's a rodeo in town. It's just everywhere. It's, it's literally, it engulfs the city of Las Vegas. And that's huge. I mean, Las Vegas is so huge. For some sports to be able to engulf it like that is kind of crazy.
2: NFR Extra, Episode 111. Kirsten Vold takes time off the ranch to visit NFR Extra. She shares memories of the Duke of Chutes what sets women in rodeo apart from other professional sports, the special bond between girls and horses, and the NFR in Las Vegas. Enjoy our conversation with Kirsten Vold on NFR Extra.
0: Finding your custom NFR experience in Las Vegas just got a lot easier. New this year is a resource that links you to every hotel offer. At NFRExperience.com forward slash stay your way, you can shop for the hotel that best fits your plans. Everything is there. Information on viewing parties, concerts, price, transportation, location, and so much more, all in one place. Go to NFRExperience.com forward slash stay your way. One Vegas, stay your way. This is National Finals Rodeo announcer Roger Mooney from LJ, Georgia, saying, I'm all ready for NFR Extra.
2: The youngest of six children, Kirsten started taking over the Vol Rodeo Company when she was 25 years old and since that time has managed to build on the legacy that her Canadian-born father began nearly six decades ago. Homeschooled until her freshman year in high school, Vold grew up on the road, ensconced in the life of the cowboy and the excitement of the rodeo. Kirsten now spends more than 200 days each year on the rodeo trail and oversees what is undeniably one of the leading rodeo stock companies in the industry today. Kirsten's greatest personal achievements is Painted Valley, a breeding stud whose accomplishments include six Wrangler NFR appearances, voted Best Saddle Bronc Horse of the 2009 NFR, and named PRCA Saddle Horse of the Year in 2010. In 2015, Kirsten Vold was inducted into the Rodeo Hall of Fame. Whether at the rodeo or the ranch, Kirsten's horses are her life, and she is committed to breeding and raising champions. Kirsten Bold. Welcome back to NFR Extra. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you. I'm doing great today. We got some rain here last night, so things are always looking up when we get moisture.
2: Yeah, well, we don't. We're here in the desert, and Jesus, we pray for rain. Probably you can just get it for an hour. It's uh, nice, so yeah, I hear you on that.
1: (laughs) You know how that can be, absolutely. We were as much wind as we had yesterday. We would have been one giant match today if it wouldn't have caught some rain last night, so I'm very grateful.
2: We're glad to have you on. Uh, you know, when we first were coming out of the out of the shoot snowpond here um with this podcast, you were one of our I think it was like our eighth guest or something like that. And we also had Stetson Wright, which god that kid was just coming up, and no one knew they knew of him, right. but they didn't know of him the way they do today. so
1: well, of course, yeah, he's hes definitely he's definitely filled his he's filled his legacy of everybody you know of his family. so that's that's a good thing,
2: yeah. so let's 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 focus on uh, the Vold you know, not being the super historian rodeo guy, I learned a lot about the Duke of Duke of the Shoots, right? Who is this guy? And to you personally and to the industry, because obviously he's big in both worlds.
1: The Duke of the Shoots was a nickname that was given to my father. Um, he Harry Vold, and it was given to him by Bob Tallman, actually the rodeo announcer. And, uh, and that was just because of his likeness of to John Wayne, of kind of just the way he walked and the swagger and build, I guess, and stuff like that, and he'd be going back and forth in front of the chutes, and I guess that's where, you know, Bob Tallman with, with the language that we know he has and the flair he has for words, he put that together, and then it just stuck and, you know, here we are decades later and it's still, you know, it's still a, a notorious thing that goes along with his name, but my dad was a, a major player in rodeo. He passed away in 2017 at the age of 93, but he was still chasing horses up until, you know, the weekend before his death. I mean, he, he loved what he did and he loved bucking horses. Um, he came from Canada and brought his business down to the United States. And, uh, he participated in every national finals rodeo from the first one in Dallas in 1959, um, through 2016 was his last one that he was at. So, you know, it's, it's, great to have that as somebody to learn from and I appreciate all the doors that he opened for me and you know whenever you follow somebody like that in this business it's very important that you just don't want to do anything to tarnish the reputation that he has set up you know that's probably been my biggest challenge through life is you just want to make sure and and stay to the standard that he set And, and I'm grateful for that because I see a lot of second generation people that have to live out their family's legacy. They have to try to be, you know, their dad was kind of a scoundrel. And so they got to try to do better than him. So the people can trust them. And, and I never had that problem. And, and so I'm very grateful for that.
2: You said scoundrel. That's awesome. I, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't really know where that came, or, where it came from.
3: Same topic, but a little different. The Cowboys that are getting on the stock that you are hauling throughout the world. Cowboys enter certain rodeos based on stock contractors that are providing for them. Do you know of like one certain cowboy that really just connects with your stock, like the way that they buck? Do they have a preference to come to your rodeos just for that?
1: Oh, you know, I... I... I mean, I hope there's several that that see that we're the stock contractor and and like coming getting on our horses. We try to be known for more rider friendly horses you know they they kind of gone away from the era of the they call them the stock contractor horses or the stock contractor bull and and those are the horses of the bulls that were hard to ride, but they bucked the cowboys off most of the time, and the crowd cheered and and they were you know those are and and we've had our share of them don't get me wrong. In the era of of rodeo now where contestants are so hard to come by and there doesn't seem to be enough to go around to all the events that are going on at the same time, you want to try to provide animals that guys want to come get on, that they know that they're not, if they're bareback riders, they're not heavy. So they're not strong and jerking on their arm. They're not likely to turn them out. These are all the things that you kind of, the challenges that you have whenever um, you're trying to put together a herd that the cowboys want to come get on. And you know, I guess the first one that comes to mind, like I, we have a, I have a kid that grew up a couple hours from us, Logan Patterson. He's a bareback rider, and you know, he's always wanting to know. He's like, are you going to be there? Are you get, you know, where, where all are you going to? What road are you going to? And and I appreciate that because I know that he does like our stock, and I hope that he's not the only one that feels that way. He's just kind of the first one that comes to mind. So I, I love that.
2: So there's also this relationship, right, that comes with that. Because how you do things and how you work with them, there's also this connection, not even just at the rodeo, but, right, there's almost like practice times or how you connect with these guys if they're coming through and they need practice runs or that kind of plays into this too, right? As I think like athletes do that too off the side, off you know, in the off season, they're like, hey, man, meet up with me and we're going to train. I mean, you have that with the, the Cowboys as well, right?
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think we never buck anything here at the ranch. Um, long time ago, they had some schools here. Um, long when I was a little kid, it just doesn't really, we're just not set up for it. So we'll go to places. We'll go to colleges. Obviously with COVID last year, when things were shut down, um, there were limited places that the guys could go to stay in shape, and so we actually went to Ordway, Colorado. Um, allowed us to come to their their county fairgrounds, and we had we just started having practices there. I think it was Monday night was the best for you know the people that that were came and volunteered and helped you know strip and shoot and pull gates and picked up and and guys were just. Some of the college kids were wanting a place to go. The schools were all shut down. Some of these cowboys that were, you know, wanting to stay practice. Logan was there. Will Martin was there. Cole Franks came and practiced with us last year in COVID. And, I mean, then he just... To, or in 2020 in covid and then he just took a fire in 2021 and he's been on fire ever since san angelo this year and is going to his first national finals here in a month and you know those guys we had come in there we had a little jackpot for them and then we just had practices and it was a great place for us to get some of our young horses but great place for some of those guys to just have a chance to go somewhere so, yeah i mean i guess what i liked the best about all of that is when you got out there People weren't worried about the world going crazy. Everybody just kind of came together, and and we came back to the roots of what we all enjoyed, which was fucking horses and bulls.
2: Was there ever a time, maybe even through your dad's eyes, that you looked forward to heading into the NFR that you saw a matchup of a certain cowboy going to get on that stock? Was there ever those kind of moments that with the family or through pops kind of seeing that?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, like the draw at the NFR, of course, we draw the night before. And so you don't have a whole lot of time to worry or stress or get excited about too many of the matchups because it's not like you know a week ahead that this is going to happen so but yeah there's been some great matchups over the years I mean you know Cody Wright won I think title number two on Painted Valley you know I mean those you're excited about that you know I know when Billy had Bobby Joe that was like the last time we bucked him was at the NFR you know I mean there's been some there's been some great matchups that you look forward to. Um, that you've seen, I'd have to say, I don't know if you look forward to him as much as you remember them after you've watched them now would probably have to, you know, I don't think any of us will ever forget, you know, Billy at on blood brother of Birch Rodeo company. I mean, that was, that horse pulled everything, but a switchblade on him and, and he rode him through it. And you know, those, those are the things that stick in your mind or not so much the preparation before they happen, but after they happen, watching them.
2: The, the fascinating part for me is kind of a, a outsider guy is when we have, you know, running digital and when we're putting things out there, whether it be highlights or images and whatnot, what I love is when we put out there and you know who the cowboy is, where you don't reference right. the stock and I love the fans like who is you know, who is the stock? Like that just it's so like that deep fan that truly gets it is it's I think it's fun because that's that's in other sports you don't get that, right? Like it's it's just the athlete. Right. That's it. And uh and the number in the back on the, the name on the back of the jersey. But yeah. And just it's fast No, the
1: animals in rodeo are definitely you know there's some very famous animals over the years and 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 I always tell people is that the animals these are all athletes as well they train like the cowboys they eat like the cowboys they're on regiments like the cowboys you know these aren't just horses that we'd gather in and bring in and load up on a truck and cross our fingers and hope for the best that things will work out are, there's a plan from the time they hit the ground until they hopefully end up in your arena
2: City Joe certainly thinks that uh, you guys just bring in, you know, horses from out in the back and things like that. But it's, <laughs> I love that they learn. The oh,
1: I know. Them. I You know, I get a lot of, I just got a, a, a message, that, I think yesterday, off Messenger or Facebook, you know, you get requests from people that are that still don't really understand. They're like, oh, you know, I have a horse that is bucking everybody off. I just need to bring him to a rodeo and pay, you know, you guys pay me to buck him or something. And I'm like, <laughs> it doesn't really work that way. But, <laughs> but it is, you know, it's, there's a lot that, people don't understand what the process of what goes into getting those animals to that level and, and the breeding and the genetics and now we're getting into cloning and flushing mares and, you know, that science has been brought into this and anytime you bring there's more expense and, and everything else, but that's the only way that you improve the level of, of competition. And you just look at the caliber of animals, it'll be a the rodeo that in you know in Las Vegas in a month and they'll be phenomenal and uh, and that only happens because of so many bef- different people working at it.
2: Absolutely, you are listening to NFR Extra with our guest Kirsten Vold from Vold Rodeo Company. Let's take a quick break. NFR Extra follows Cowboys, talks to legends and country stars, and finds the stories that make up the season that leads to the annual showdown in December. Follow me, Nevada Caldwell, Rylan Bentley, and Steve Goder as we delve deep into the stories in and behind The Road to Gold. Listen to NFR Extra on Rural Radio, Channel 147, on Sirius XM, every Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, with a re-air Tuesday in the same time slot. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year.
0: This is Cody Old, six-time world champion, and you are on NFR Extra.
2: Kirsten Vold here on NFR Extra. Let's talk about women. Can you touch a little bit on that on how women's in this sport are set apart from professional sports, and and also what ties them together? I mean, what what's so unique about it?
1: Well, you know, I guess, and I know that. I've never really been hung up too much on whether my gender made a difference in what I did, but I will just say as a whole, I think, you know, there's a lot more women in rodeo than people necessarily think there is. They just do jobs that aren't right in the spotlight. And, you know, like there's been rodeo secretaries and timers and, and wives of contestants and stock contractors that have been in the back feeding the horses, hauling the horses. You know, there's a lot of times these cowboys are flying all over and the people that are getting those horses from one state to seven states over in 24 hours, that's the wives or the girlfriends or the mothers, or, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of female in this, females in this business that don't necessarily get the recognition that they probably should or get or deserve. Um, You know, I've, because of my position, I get probably more than I'm, you know, probably more than I need, but, um, you know, there's, I think that there's not really anything that you in our business that, that you can't do because you're a girl. Um, physically, you know, if I was to say what my weaknesses are compared to the other people doing what I do, it's obviously going to be physical strength because I'm never going to be physically as strong as the men that I work with. Even a weak man, <laughs> even an out-of-shape man is going to be just just genetics. He's just going to be born stronger than I am. And so as far as things go, like if I would say the things that bother me or irritate me that I don't have, you know, in this business, it would be physical strength is never as strong. But you can always make that up in other things or you just get somebody to help you do things. And I would say that it's definitely getting, like, you know, as far as women getting more put in the spotlight. Absolutely. You know, I think there's just roles opening up a lot of rodeo committees, presidents, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm the chairman of our rodeo committee at the Colorado state fair and my subcommittees when I was working on this project out of seven of them, six of them are females. You know, it just goes to show you that a lot of females just happen to take a, a more detailed in charge role. in a lot of times. And so, I don't think that that's new. I just think maybe the opportunities have opened up a little bit more. And so then they just are being taken. Women are taking advantage of them.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, do you see like, for instance, you see in other sports, you see women starting to play a little bit of football. I mean, they start off as a kicker and then I've seen some gals play linebacker and again, going back to your physical side. But man, there's some ladies out there that can cross over and have no problem throwing hits down or hitting it out of the park. Are you seeing, have you seen a little bit being in the business you have, as long as you have, are you seeing women jump on stock a little bit more or is it still kind of the same Uh, of what you've seen? You
1: know, I I don't see a ton of it. Um, I will say we we did a a PBR school with the PBR SVC Center here. Um, We did one about a week, 10 days ago. And then there, we'd done one this spring with them. And some of their students that had come through were were young girls. This spring, I know there was one. And then I noticed there was, Maybe two this fall, and and, and she, the one little girl was like 13. I mean, she was pretty young. She'd been younger. She'd been a boy, you know. And uh, and I mean, they, you know, they they put them on bulls that were set for her ability, but it was a full size bull. It was definitely, you know, she definitely had a lot of try to her, and she kind of got knocked around on the first one, and she got a re ride, and she sure took it, and really kind of got wrecked out the second time, and got back up. And so, you know, I I don't think. I, Obviously, the opportunities are there if you want to. Um, Yes, physically, you're not really built as much for it, so you're going to have to work harder. But in anything you do, if you really want it bad enough, you just have to work harder to achieve it. Um, You know, I know that in several major sports like NASCAR, you know, I don't follow NASCAR. I know who Danica Patrick is. I don't know if if she's that good or she's just like the hottest one if that's the reason she kind (laughs) of gets the most coverage or if they if there's a lot of them that are you know that i just don't know any of the other ones but she you see her a lot um i know that there's you'll see nike commercials of different sports for um you know referees and stuff like that that you know first nfl referee that was a female and she was doing some so i mean i think that's all good i just i'm not i think that you can do anything you want to do i don't think you need to get hung up as to gender or anything else but whether you're a man or a woman or you just need to work hard and you got to try hard and i don't think there's really any doors closed to you you just have to maybe push a little harder to get them open
2: it's a definitely unique system out there that exists that you know we all dance around and but i get what (laughs) you're saying and, and, and it makes sense i mean it's uh you know, it's, as I'm raising a di- daughter, I, I see this universe and I'm like, man, I just want to help. And I want to make sure I don't say the wrong things. And my wife's tough. Like she, she'll check me 24 seven on the gender stuff. And like, it doesn't matter. She speaks just like you. So, I mean, I, I
1: yeah, like I don't, I, I hate for the fact that it's gotten so politically correct awareness that, that men are afraid to say anything because you never know what's incorrect. And I, and I dislike that part. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to have to, just check everything that I say and worry that you're, you know, and and there's a difference if it's something really bad. But in overall, you should be able to say something and people don't get their feelings hurt, whether it be a a girl or not. Um, Just toughen up. And that's just kind of what it is. That's in life. You got to be pretty tough in life, period, whether it's rodeo, baseball. I don't know anything about soccer. I just saw some female just retired that obviously was very you know, award winning and I, and I, any athlete, whether that had been a man or or a woman, I, you know, hats off to him because we all know how many hours of training and games and everything, you know, her statement was, please know that every time I stepped on that field, I gave 110%. And I think that's great. But I would hope that if a man was retiring after all those, that they would say the same thing. So I don't think it's really a gender thing. It's just personality. You just, you got to try your hardest to do whatever it is you're doing and man or woman, you should accomplish your goals.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, so I'm into coaching, just kind of like sidebar this, but I coach my daughter's team. And what's funny is when we're playing games, you know, you get into the more competitive side and it gets heated, right? Like, I mean, and women is anything I've come across played when it really comes down to it. Like the way they play, I mean, they may be a lot of brutal. Yeah,
3: (laughs) 100 percent. Yeah.
2: But what's funny is sometimes it'll happen because my daughter's small. She's good. She can hang. She's tough but she'll sure. get stomped on and I'll hear the gasps right from like, you know, like parents around there. Oh, sure. Then one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. What I hear next, get up, get up and go. Do you're okay. And you know who that is? Mom Uh, in the back, <laughs> yeah. just pushing and just like you know, get over it. You know, and it's like the same way we raised our son. It's the same way we raised her. But anyways, absolutely.
1: I just- and that's the best way to be, you know, you can't really, you know you you just gotta people just gotta be tough and i don't care what the situation is you know emotionally physically whatever you just you gotta have to take the the roll with the punches and uh, you can't you can't let something small or big knock you down because otherwise pretty soon they'll stack on top of each other and you know you lose your confidence you lose your momentum and, and that's never good no matter what you're talking about
2: this is nfr extra and our guest today kirsten vold
0: December in Vegas what does that mean it's time for the Wrangler NFR and the Cowboy Channel Cowboy Christmas the ultimate shopping and entertainment experience catch live shows on the Ariot Rodeo live stage the Yeti Junior World Finals autograph sessions and much more open daily with free admission at the Las Vegas Convention Center visit nfrexperience.com for details the Cowboy Channel Cowboy Christmas it's all here Hi, this is Jim
2: Dewey-Brown, General Manager of Prescott Frontier Days, joining you on NFR Extra. Kirsten Vold is here on NFR Extra.
3: Probably one of the best things about like the Western lifestyle is that, that keep going, get up, get it done. That's one of the things that just happens in rodeo that people don't really see is, A lot of times, like these cowboys, especially at the NFR, you know, sometimes they get hurt and they have to push through it and they have to say, you know, it's only eight seconds. And that mental side of the rodeo is incredible to see people just push through. You know, we talked to Cody Ole about having a blown out knee and it was just everything. You know, you just keep going. And that's something that's so instilled that you know, the old cowboy way was to just always keep going where now I think our cowboys are a little bit smarter and go to Justin sports med and get checked out and wrapped up. But it's incredible to see that commitment from this world.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And they, and they do like, I, I am constantly amazed by these guys and how tough they can be. And some of them, you know, aren't all very old or not very big. And, and I mean, they're, um i i tell this it's a funny story and he wouldn't even really um there's this bulldogger and he sprays his ankle in houston and this has been probably i don't know 10 years ago And he was telling and so he went into the justin healer room and he's got his leg propped up and he's sitting there iced on his ankle and he's watching the screen and there's this bull rider that gets bucked off and then he comes out or he rides or something but he comes out and he comes straight to the locker room and he strips out in that Justin Healer room. And he said he was black and blue from literally from his neck down. <laughs> and he said, he, this kid weighed about 150 pounds. And he said he, he literally was black and blue everywhere. And he just got off that bullet. He said, I took my leg off my ice pack and I hobbled out of the room. He's like, I was a little embarrassed. <laughs> and I hmm. we found out a, uh, Oh, West, Wesley Silcox is the bull rider. We figured that out later, and uh, but that's the thing. I mean, you know, those guys ride hurt. So there's a saying: you can ride hurt, you just can't ride injured. You know, if you ride injured, you usually can't be your best. But you can yeah. ride through the pain, and uh, and they do it all the time. And you're right; it is commendable to see them power through, mind over matter, and just they just they do it. And that happens in other sports, you know? Like, remember the little Olympic girl that sprained her ankle and they went off and did the vault run and everything. I'm sure everybody remembers that from the U.S. Olympics. Was that Olympics Simon? Years ago.
3: I think it was, was Simon
1: Biles. Is that Simon? No, it was a little blonde girl back – I mean, that's been quite a while ago. Oh. But she did – the you remember that where she, yep. she was the last one to run and she sprained her ankle and she was a little – she wasn't even a star before that, but, of course, she became famous after that because she – she powered. She was crying and everything else, but she went back and they, and just off adrenaline alone and and did a perfect ten or did her vault run or whatever and couldn't even stand afterwards. But um, you know they won the gold and that was the big that was the big thing. I can't even tell you what town what city, country it was in when they did that, but it was, it was a big. It might have been Atlanta. Was it Georgia when they had it in I, Georgia?
2: Yeah, I believe so. And you know that it wasn't just a regular little sprain like that was like a. It, Bad. it was a big deal yeah like her yeah. ankle literally yeah no it was it, it was, was a
1: bad, bad deal bad. but she powered through it i guess my point is she powered through it like she just the adrenaline got her and she just had one goal and she had worked her whole life to come to that spot and she wasn't going to let an injury stop her and she didn't you know
2: yeah pain is definitely it was part of the process
3: yeah it was in atlanta carrie allison Strung fisher
2: nope.
1: yep that nope. was her
2: yeah, she was a little. Uh, she was go. awesome. And you're right. You know what? what was fun about that? Uh, which I would love about pop culture is like going forward. There was just like fun. If there were memes back then, then which there wasn't, people carrying right. her, you know, and doing things, having fun with it, and kind of how she came back and just finished the, uh, finished the event, which was gigantic. And you're right. That I mean, that's small gal who probably weighs as much as a bull rider. No pun. I'm just kidding there. Hey. But. Um, <laughs>
1: But I mean, you think about that, like I'm not even, I don't follow gymnastics, I don't follow anything, but that stuck in my mind. And why did it stick in my mind? Because you watch somebody power through a moment and just be like, wow, like she didn't, she had one thing there and that was she was going to accomplish it and she did. And whether you're talking about gymnastics at the Olympics or rodeo, the ninth round at the NFR, that's, you have to admire anybody that's willing to put Such a mindset that they don't they feel no pain they just are going to they're there to accomplish something and they're there to do it
2: yeah we see it time in and time out uh definitely during the nfr and then all through the season real quick so talking about the nfr you you mentioned that your family's been a part of this process since day one with the national finals rodeo and you know then obviously we came here in the mid 80s and things have just like a rocket ship what what makes Las Vegas and the NFR so incomparable to anything that it's been before or where it's possibly going?
1: Well, I think when we first came, you know, I, I remember I was 11 years old the first time it was hit in, in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, we left Oklahoma City and everybody thought it was so successful there, and it had been. And uh, the fact that they were moving it when it had been so successful there, everybody was like, oh we'll be back in 5 years. I can't, you know, I can't tell you how many times I heard that. Oh, don't worry, we'll be back in 5 years. It was a 5-year deal and we'll be back and and we tra- and we moved to Las Vegas and it just became such an experience. It took on a whole life of its own. It went from being just, you know, the year-in national finals to this whole growing phenomenon that just kept growing. The money got better, the event got larger, television became bigger the tourists that came from all around to come to this event, you know, they traveled farther. They came from other countries. It just, it just grew within it took on a life of its own within the city. You know, I mean, they, they used to talk about how December was like the worst month in Las Vegas at one time. And now that it's, you know, become one of the best months and mainly because of the national Finals rodeo. Well, that's a huge thing to say about such a large City that hosts so many different events and such a small, you know, at the end of the day, rodeo is such a small demographic of our whole country that that, in its own, would take on a life of its own in a city of such large magnitude. And and it does. That whole city just is. When you're in Las Vegas during the NFR, whether it's the Music Awards or whatever else is going on, you know there's a rodeo in town. It's just everywhere. It's it's literally it engulfs the city of Las Vegas. And that's huge. I mean, Las Vegas is so huge for some sport to be able to engulf it like that is is kind of crazy.
2: Yeah. That template too, that that's become a a business template for Vegas, right? Like what happened with the rodeo and this whole experience side and kind of showing that what, what it can do, what Vegas can do for these, let's call them these niche industries have these, these super bowls, if you will, that it does it, we do it all the time. I mean, and, and it's to, mm-hmm. to your point when that dead time in December, what's happened is you, we've discovered other models that work Let's just on making it up in February or in hot yeah. July with the NBA summer league. I mean, it's, it's really kind of, it, it started that process because there really wasn't that going on prior to that um, in Vegas. So I mean, Rodeo in Vegas, definitely
1: amplified. Yeah, it really has. Like I was, I was listening. Um, to, I was listening to one of your podcasts, and it was Stetson, or I think it was Stetson, maybe it was Ryder, it was one of the right boys saying that what song generates when they think of Vegas, and they said, Viva Las Vegas. And I thought, isn't that true? Like, if I ever hear that song played anywhere else, I, I instantly it catapults me to sitting in the Thomas and Mac hearing that kick off the rodeo, Viva Las Vegas. And that's it's become such a thing in its own, you know, the NFR, Las Vegas, it's, it's just sort of melded together. So um, yeah, I'm very proud to be part of something and watch the transition coming from a sport that was not as well known to being what it is now.
2: Where, where did your families, where like back the, back in the 90s, where did you guys stay? Like where was, what was the hotel for the Volt?
1: I honestly think I've stayed in just about every hotel in Las Vegas. <laughs> we were having that conversation at the circuit finals and we were talking about that. And I was like, gosh, I think of some of the places, I mean, I think the very first two years we were there, we stayed at Alexis park and I think that name, I think it maybe has changed now. It's that resort that's on, I think it's paradise. Mm-hmm. thats not too far down from, down from the Thomas and Mac. And of course, back when I got there, like, children weren't allowed in casinos and stuff. That was a huge no-no. And so the first two years we were there, they offered this um, special rate for the NFR and people at Alexis Park of $30 a night and there was no gambling. And so a lot of people stayed there because there was like a full kitchen and it was very—it was a beautiful place. It was a resort there. And, and the big thing with no gambling is the kids could kind of run around and stuff and be free and not be under lock and key. And so we stayed there the first two years, and then the, by the third year, they'd upped the price. And so we, gosh, I, I don't know if the first place we stayed after that was either the Sands, because we, then we went wherever the convention was, the PRC convention. And I think it was maybe the Sands the first year, and then I remember we were at the Riviera for quite a few years. And then I remember staying at the i remember staying at the Stardust, I stayed at downtown on the Golden Nugget, stayed at the Mirage, I've stayed at... Several places that have been condemned since 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 then been blown up or whatever else, we've stayed at little luxor obviously the the gold Coast the Barbary coast um the South point for you know the last fifteen years I think so I mean we stayed i i feel like i've I've done my best to spread around Las Vegas hotels pretty evenly. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, you said Alexis Park, that actually is, it's across from today, it's now Virgin, but back then it was, well, even, I mean, Hard Rock didn't even, well, maybe it was just being built back then, but yeah, that's a great place. I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those gems that we have, like they're almost like giant condos, right, that um,
1: that Right, they They were beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. It was a lovely, you know, even as a kid, I remember it was was a very nice place to stay.
2: That's cool. You've gotten to see Vegas go from Zero to a million miles an hour uh growing up coming here. that's awesome,
1: it really has you know because we're always there for such a long period of time you have a chance to experience you know everything and when I came, circus circus was like the only thing offered for kids and and now that's holy cow, that's such a that's just one stop you know there's been so many things that have been built for kids, and everybody's or you know obviously loosened up the guidelines as far as letting kids walk through casinos and stuff like that so. So that's good because it's made it a much more family oriented city and you kind of had to, to, for it to grow to the level that it is now for tourism, people have to be able to bring their families or there has to be something there for the kids to do. It can't all just be, you know, um, adult entertainment. So they Las Vegas has done a good job of of making it a more well-rounded opportunity for families.
2: And for extra with our guest Kirsten Vold from Vold Rodeo company, we'll wrap up our conversation after the break.
3: Looking for tickets to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo? StubHub is the official secondary and fan-to-fan site of the rodeo. Fans can buy and sell their tickets through a safe and secure online marketplace. Visit NFRExperience.com.
0: The Yeti Junior World Final. He is back in Vegas. From December 2nd through 11th, the next generation of rodeo stars will compete at the Cowboy Channel Cowboy Christmas. Held daily inside the Wrangler Rodeo Arena. Visit NFRExperience.com for details.
3: I'm Nikki Zachary, president of the Caldwell Net Rodeo, and I'm here with you on NFR Extra.
2: NFR Extra with Kirsten Vold.
3: Before we wrap up, I have to get into the feeling side of things and ask you about a horse and a woman, just because I call them heart horses. That's what, that's what I refer to them as, because there's always that one special horse that no matter what they do, if they are competing for you, if they are your pasture horse, whatever they are, I call them your heart horse. And I think Painted Valley definitely meant something to you in that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, we lost him this past January, which I'm sure you probably know that. And, uh, you know, it was, it was very impactful. But I cannot, I pers- you know, I choose to think of his life in the 19 years that we had him and not think of his death. And he, he was so impactful. He was the most impactful animal on this ranch. Um, he put us back into the rodeo business. Our breeding program had kind of hit a slump. He was just kind of a, a, you know, like I said several times, he was pennies from heaven, and he really was. I mean, he came into our lives at a time we needed it. It was kind of at a transition point. Whenever I was at a spot, I was taking over more and more of the company, making more and more of the decisions, um, and, you know, we needed something to to take to take us down a different road, and he did all of that. It's, And when you think about the fact that one horse could do all of that, it's, you know, professionally that's how I speak of him is he I look out my window right now and I see all these cold all these horses hiding out from the wind and you know 85 percent of them lead back to his bloodlines and uh and then I think about all the the things that accolades and and everything that he that he did professionally personally yeah I mean he has you know he consumed my life as far as being my friend he was my buddy I was there when he was born. I was there when we weaned him off his mom. You know, he was. I was there at the end. And so, anytime you have any great love story, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, and and he'll always be that. He's he was a very. His personality is what made him step out amongst other animals, especially because he was a bucking horse. You know, and and bucking horses are supposed to be wild. And and he kind of set the standard for it being okay for bucking horses not to be wild and people realizing that you could gentle them down and feed them horse cookies and they still could go out there and do what they wanted to do. That it's not about them being mean animals. It's about their athletic ability. And, and I take great pride in the fact that I think he opened all the doors for that and, and put, put animals and horses into a level where people realized that it was all of their genetics and not their attitude. And so. You know, I think the great thing, that's a gift that he gave to our sport as a whole.
2: When we had you on last, again, you know, every time we have a guest on and they bring up something or they reference something that's connected to them or impacted them story-wise, what I love for me personally is I get to go research it. And after we had you on and you're talking about Pennies from Heaven and Painted Valley, all these these scenarios, and I went and watched highlights, and holy crap, man, I mean, it, it, it was amazing to think, you know, who rode and who, you know, kind of what came along with that. But when I think about, when you talk about bloodlines and now you're raising new, new ones, is there, a, there, there's, who's next? Is there any that stick out right now that you're seeing that, not, not not a copy, not a duplicate of Painted Valley, but something that's as special coming from that scenario that you see that might be, you know, again, I, I'll give you this reference. Every, you know people have and, and I'm, I'm not comparing dogs and horses but pets in general
1: sure.
2: you know you have a dog you know i had a dog when i was little i hated that dog right and then my wife and i got when we first <laughs> lived together we had a dog and we loved bailey bailey was with us for 15 years and she passed away now we have tank and he's a meathead but we have him for six years and he's he hasn't replaced bailey but he's inserted himself within the other slot that maybe was missing for us right um or new or he's created a new slot is there a new slot that's being created by some of these young ones that you're bringing up that came from painted Valley?
1: Yeah. The first one that comes to mind is painted fling. And he's a stud that we've raised. That's obviously out of painted Valley. And then he was kind of a, he's kind of a a little bit of a science project. Um, They cloned the great horse spring fling that flying five owned that bareback horse and Bronc too. But they cloned her. And so then his mother is out of that clone. They flushed that clone and placed it in a reset mare and that, and that is his mother. And so we've had him since he was six months old. Um, he was, he was born at Timber Creek vet clinic in Canyon, Texas. And, uh, I brought him home when he was six months old after we weaned him off his mom and, um, brought him here and we've had him here ever since. And, you know, he's, he, he is very gentle. Um, He's probably more spoiled. He's not as well-mannered as Painted Valley was, if I'm going to compare the two, which I, I try not to do because I don't think that's fair. It's kind of like comparing two kids. Um, but he's he's had a very good year. You know, they they want a lot of money on him, Picked um, a lot of guys off this year. We'd anticipated he was going to go to the NFR. He was not selected, but that's here nor there. Um, I think that he's, going forward, he's, we just, I bucked his colts for the very first time because they're four years old. And, uh, this earlier this month, I bucked the first of his colts that we had on the ground and, uh, they all, you know, really had a good showing. So I have a lot of faith that going forward, he's going to help fill the void of that, you know, genetically. Um, personally, he's, he's just like a pet, you know, he hangs out here a lot like Painted Valley did. He, like I said, he's, not as well-mannered he's kind of a little more spoiled and so you kind of have to but he, he's very friendly he's very loving he sees you he comes running up to you like a dog so those are a lot of the same characteristics that his dad had so he's definitely helped filling that void of, of his dad's, you know of losing his dad he's definitely he'll never take the place of him but he definitely helps fill that void so I'm very grateful to have him and going forward you know doesn't always have to be those bloodlines um we've got i don't have any other studs that i'm raising but uh you know i've got some mares out there and stuff that who knows what what angle what area that they'll go into you know they'll have colts that'll um later on hopefully carrying on the tradition
2: kirsten this was fantastic having you on you know again you came on when we first were breaking out with the podcast and figured some things out and here we were able to dive in and I mean, again, you know, we're, we talked about a myriad of topics here, which I don't think Bo or I, I were capable of doing uh, a few years ago when you were on here. So,
1: well, I've enjoyed the visit too. It's uh, I've enjoyed visiting with both of you, and I appreciate you guys asking me back on again.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, can't wait to see you in Vegas. Good luck, and um, and good luck with twenty twenty two. You know, obviously, we got a lot more going on here with the Rodeo Universe, and things are just getting started. It seems like.
1: No, I agree with you. Things are just picking back up, and I think rodeos. Only getting better. Everybody had great crowds in 2021, and uh, I love the way that's going to go in 2022.
2: All right. Well, God bless. Thank you for visiting us, and uh, we really appreciate this.
1: Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: We want to give a big thank you to Vold for hanging out with us on NFR Extra.
3: Want to experience more of NFR? Then visit NFRExperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a big five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe.
2: NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. Gotta make it up the best.
0: and the racers and the bulls and the browns and the ladies in the skin-tight wrangers and the cowboy hats and don't